I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, and Ted Wynn on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Deshaun Reed, all here, ready to talk about the Raiders' first round of the draft. And uh, they had two picks last night on Thursday night in this NFL virtual draft, and uh, they uh, they made a little bit of a surprise at 19, which is is kind of their their mo. It seems like they always have one surprise pick out there. But uh, you know they they started the day with number 12, um, stayed there at number 12, and took Alabama wide receiver Henry Ruggs the third, and then also stayed at 19. So no trades for the Raiders in the first round. Took Ohio State cornerback Damon Arnett. Um, we'll get to Arnett too because that's probably the pick that um, had people scratching their heads a little bit. But um, in terms of Ruggs. I mean, Vic, you wrote it quite a bit throughout the the process of getting ready for this draft that Gruden wanted his uh, his Tyreek Hill. Hey, and my two year old son is coming to say hi. He wants to join the podcast. What's up, buddy? Um, that is uh, hey, that's that's quarantine life on the podcast, right? Um, but anyways, you, you had talked a lot about how uh, how Gruden wanted to get his his Tyreek Hill, and he got him. Yeah, I think uh, when I went through this process, I'm sure they did so much work as far as watching film and all the scouts got involved. I'm sure there were debates. I think Judy might have been uh, the top guy on their board, you know, in terms of pulling all the guys in the room. But really, one voice mattered, and that was uh, John Gruden's. And he said for a while, he definitely wants to be like the Chiefs. He's chasing the Chiefs. He wants a Tyreek Hill type in his offense, a guy who can run jet sweeps and make plays in the slants with his speed and go to the house. So they got rugs. I think John Gruden's very happy about this. Yeah, I think uh, he has the highest upside of the top three receivers for sure. I mean, you know, Judy and CD are, are great athletes, but they don't have that elite trait that Rugg has. He, I mean, he has that 4-2 speed. Uh, I, I'm a little weary about the Tyreek Hill uh, comparisons because Tyreek Hill is a very strong, stocky player, and that's the one thing that I think is a little concerned with Ruggs. He does get out-muscled, out-physical by bigger corners, so he has to get bigger. Uh, but there's a lot to like about his game. I mean, he has the lowest drop rate of the big three, only dropping 3.2% of his passes in the last two years. So for the people making the DHB or the Darius Hayward Bay comparisons, it, do- it doesn't make sense because Ruggs is a very strong catcher of the ball. Uh, yeah, I think he just has to improve his play strength, but uh, the route running is there and um, he has the highest potential of the three for sure. Yeah, I think he, you know, obviously he needs to get stronger, but I think, you know, the thing that people are overlooking they just assume because he's a fast guy that he's not a good route runner or he can't catch but neither one of those things are true um you know whether he can be that number one receiver i don't know about that but i do think he is somebody who can play both inside and outside and obviously that versatility is something that gruden wanted um you know i think with him and you know they got obviously had a receiver later in the draft but if it's just him and tyrell williams they're on the outside it's a, a pretty good deep threat duo there for Derek carr yeah, I mean, you look at what this sets up their receiver core to be. I mean, you, you got Ruggs, Tyrell Williams, uh, Hunter Renfro in the slot. Um, we obviously saw uh, the rapport that was developed between him and Derek Carr. Um, I mean, that could be a pretty good top three. And, of course, we're not even talking about the tight end, Darren Waller, who's one of the best in the game. And, and hell, we'll see what, what they get out of uh, Jason Witten in the last year or so of his career. But, um, I mean... On paper, we, we've gone through this like it feels like every year, oh, this sets up to be Derek Carr's best receiving core ever. Um, and, and things always 
tend to happen, but um, on paper right now, uh, Ruggs, Williams, Renfro, and, and Waller, that's four pretty good targets while you already have a, a really good running back and, and a good fullback in the backfield. It, it sets up, and a good offensive line. I mean, it sets up that this offense, if it can, if it can stay maintained, could be pretty good. Plus, if you're a Raider fan, I think you hope that they take advantage of this deep, deep receiver class and take another guy today or tomorrow, preferably today, but also to, could be tomorrow. But there's so many guys with you know top three round grades. I think they can get a bigger guy now, maybe like a, um, a Gandy Golden or a Michael Pittman are two guys I like. A bigger guy to kind of throw in that mix, and you're, you're right, the offense could be an elite offense. Yeah, and what he said after um, the draft made sense, too, that the Raiders ran the ball into a lot of eight-man boxes last year. Um, so that they, they wanted rugs who could you know really threaten uh, defenses deep and force safeties to have to, uh, to roll to his side. So, uh, it, you know, just thinking about the offense last year and what they needed and how they, they need to force them to safety looks, uh, rugs makes sense for that. Yeah, and I think this kind of, you know, shortens the list of excuses for Carr to lean on. You know, if he does have a, a rough start to the season or, or things go, aren't going as planned, you know, those those Marcus and Mariota chances are going to get a little bit louder. Yeah. Um, Vic, I do want to talk about you. You reported uh, in, in your story last night that the Raiders had a deal in place to move from 12 to 14, where presumably they probably could have still gotten rugs. I mean, who knows? We don't know exactly what the Niners were thinking at 13 if the if the Niners had had an opportunity to get rugs. You know, I know Kyle Shanahan said that Brandon Ayuk was their top guy on their board, but, you know, that's that's what you say when you draft a guy. But uh, presuming they, they would have had a chance to still get rugs at 14, uh, do we know kind of what happened, why that trade uh, didn't ultimately come through? We don't. Um, we had Mayock on a press conference last, a conference call last night, and it was a glitch on, on the Zoom. I couldn't get my questions, and I was yelling, <laughs> yelling on my, yelling on my phone. No one heard me, so uh, it was kind of sad. But uh, so I haven't had a chance to ask him yet. But um, it, it got to a point where when, when the deal happened, or the, the deal didn't happen, I guess I actually was typing out my tweet like, "Oh, they traded down. The Bucks are going to take the the, guard, the tackle at 12. and then I think Goodell announced the Raiders took. Uh, Took rugs. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I kind of I was thrown off there. But I think I'm not sure that maybe time ran out is my guess. But um, they were going to move to 14, and I assume the Niners got a fourth round pick for moving down one spot. So you figure the Raiders would have done a little better than that. But uh, it is kind of a shame because I think they could have gotten their guy at 14 plus added a pick. Well, if you look at kind of the the value chart, um, I, I mean, part if I were to guess, maybe one reason it, it would have fallen through is if if you're the Bucks. I mean. They're, they were coming up to get worse, and obviously you know the Raiders are not taking him, um, even if they stay there, because you know they, they're obviously locked in at tackle with Colton Miller and Trent Brown. So it's possible that maybe they, they'd kind of agree to something with the Raiders, and then they go ahead and call the Niners just to kind of check, hey, you know, do you guys want to uh, swap a spot? Um, and, I mean, you can give up – if you can give up less to only go up with the Niners, I mean, that – and I think looking at the value, it probably would have cost uh, the Bucks a fourth and their fifth-round pick to go up to 12 with, uh, with the Raiders. And, obviously, with the Niners, they only had to give up their fourth-round pick and they got a seventh-round back. So um, that would seem to be one also kind of logical explanation that they, they maybe made a late call to the Niners and, and said, hey, can, can we move up with you guys instead? And uh, it was less of a price. So what you're saying is they're in a shot clock down. They kind of stalled the Raiders. Like, yeah, yeah. we're making this trip. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. We're almost done. Oh, wait call, a minute. I got Ta- another call coming in. I got to check this real <laughs> uh, quick. Your, your, your time's out? Oh, too bad. All right, so click. Uh, maybe. That oh, could have happened. 
The Niners are always screwing with the Raiders during a draft. Even when the Raiders pick before them, they're, they're still find a way to screw with the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, looking at them realistically, I mean, if, you know, trading down a couple spots, I mean, if, if Raiders fans had visions of that would have netted them like a second round pick, no, that wasn't going to happen. We're talking in terms of trade, you know, draft value and stuff. It it would have still been that fourth rounder and probably the fifth rounder. Those are the two picks that would have meshed up to to make up the the kind of the point difference there and moving up two spots. So, uh, but still, I mean, you, you you got Max Crosby in the fourth round last year. You know, you wouldn't mind having an extra fourth and, and fifth rounder this year. But um, it, the the trade down scenarios um, is something that I think it frustrates Raider fans that they've had have several guys last year in the last couple of years that you thought that they could get at a lower value, but they haven't been able to. I mean, Tashawn, um, when you see this draft uh, and and you see a guy like Damon Arnett that they take at 19 that nobody had projected, probably nobody had projected in the first round, um, do you do you feel like they made a mistake there in, in not being able to, to work out a trade, or, or what do you kind of think went down there? I do. I mean, trading back isn't as easy as we all make it seem to be. Um, but I mean, you know, Mayock did say on a call last night that they had, you know, at least a few offers for that to move back from that pick at number 19. Uh, you know, and I, I, just, I can't see anybody else taking him in the first round. So even if it if the offer they were getting was two second rounders or maybe even an early second and a third rounder, I think you take that because it's not so much about Arnett not being a good player. He very well could be. It's, you know, did you get the most value out of that pick at 19? And I don't think they did. You know, I think if you move back to the second round, you can take them there and then you have another third rounder to play with. Yeah, I I, I like Arnett uh, studying him on film, but I thought he'd be there in a the third round. Um, I, I think some people said they had a late second round grade on him, but uh, it seemed like the consensus with that was that he's go- he was going to be uh, a third round draft pick. But I think... If we see a lot of press corners start coming coming off the board in the second round, uh, then I think it, you could say is a safe bet that our our net probably wouldn't draft it there because you know people valued press corners, um, and yeah, I mean if the Raiders had a chance to trade down to you know maybe the, the top of the second round or something like that, they probably could have still got their guy, uh, but I, I don't know what the offers were. I think there's some pressure on the kid. Obviously, he's an underdog guy. Kind of, he said on the conference call, he's always been kind of been ruled out. He's um, he's 24 years old, doesn't have the elite speed, but he's a tough kid. I think now, he pretty much, he has to start in my mind. If you pick him 19th, you're saying he's a plug-in guy. So I think uh, there's some pressure on him. I think uh, Nevin Lawson's still on the roster and might give him a little push. But at this point, it has to be his job to lose. I think. You know, and I think where you probably see a pick like this happen and. You know, we're not we're not going to go back and uh, and reevaluate the the Khalil Mack trade, but obviously in that trade you gave oh, come up. Come on, let's the, do it. Uh, I mean, you, you gave up that second rounder in that in that trade, and I think that was one of the the big eye opening things. It's like, why did you have to throw in a second rounder in this Khalil Mack trade? Well, by not having a second rounder this year, you kind of felt that pressure that man, I, I don't get to pick again to the, until the third round. Now maybe we can move up. We've got the three third-round picks. We can move up. But by not having that second rounder, you're sitting there, I need a corner. And, um, you know, when you saw kind of it late in the late in the first round, you had a run on corners. A couple guys went um, at, at 30, 31. So you, you probably felt like, man, if, if we can't make a deal to get into the second round, we just have to take the guy that we like here. And even if 
it's not the right value. I mean, this is what they're always going to say, but this is the guy they liked. And so, it, um, but this is where not having that second round pick kind of puts a little pressure on you that you just have to end up taking a guy because uh, you know you're not going to be picking for a while. Yeah, I think fans have gone to full circle on that Mac trade. I hate to bring it up again, like you said, but it's a whole topic. But I think, you know, people hated the trade at first, and they loved the trade. They got Josh Jacobs, you know, it was a great trade. And now everyone's like, oh, wait, why did we give him a second-round pick? But that was that had to be done. If they don't include second-round pick, there's no Mac trade. So I think that's just a key part of it, and I think, you know, it, you, you deal with the consequences. But they definitely knew at the time this is going to be their, their fate. Yeah, and I think – Arnett's going to be, I don't know if he's going to be given a starting spot because I think they like Isaiah Johnson too. So I think those two are going to be battling for the second cornerback spot. Uh, but I mean, just watching Arnett, he's really, really physical in coverage. Um, and, and that's one of, the re- one of the reasons I didn't think that the Raiders would be seriously linked to C.J. Henderson from Florida because C.J. is really... Uh, he's really smooth, great cover guy, but you know doesn't want to tackle. Not physical, and the Raiders talk so much about the, you know the importance of physicality. They talked a lot about that with Gary and Conley, and then they passed up on Josh Allen because he wasn't physical enough last year. Um, and and then they you know they draft Arnett, um, and, he, and one of the things he's really known for is just how physical he is in bumper run coverage and in tackling. And um, the the one thing that I do question with him is his long speed. Um, so, you know, he ran close to a four, six in the, in, in, in the 40, uh, I, I don't know if the long speed speed to play outside, but if he doesn't work out outside, I think he could be a really good nickel corner. Now to Sean, one of the things, if you read, uh, you know, Bob McGinn's, uh, scouting profiles, um, that was talked a lot about with Arnett was some off the field, some character concerns. What do we know about Arnett and, and, uh, you know, there was, it, it sounded like there was some, at least some scouts out there that have some concern about, concerns about him. Um, and, and certainly as this team moves to Vegas, I, you know, depending on what his off the field concerns are, um, that, that is one thing you worry about as a, as a team heads to a city like Las Vegas. Yeah, I think the thing with him, it wasn't like there were any major incidents necessarily. He didn't break the law or anything. It just sounded like he was a very immature kid coming into college which I think you can say for most kids coming into college but I think he uh you know they had obviously had a coaching change at Ohio State they moved him around a bit he played the nickel as well as playing outside and he didn't play too well his junior year and he wanted to come out of college and then he realized he wasn't going to get drafted too high and so he came back and it it seemed like the senior year he kind of put it all together you know those those off-field issues if if you want to call it that they stopped he got his head on straight uh, and play well. And I think that's something that he said last night was, you know, the biggest growth that he made was mental. And I think particularly with him being somebody that's going to be, you know, 24 years old by the time his rookie season starts, uh, that's the biggest growth for him moving forward. He's not really going to change too much physically at this point. It's all about the mental aspect. And if the Raiders can help him progress in that lane, maybe he does become the starter, but that's really what it's going to come down to. Plus, I think he had a kid, too. I think he had a kid while he was in college. So that's always a yeah. game changer, as those of us who have kids know. So that'll make you grow up pretty quick. So I think, um, obviously, Max has spent a lot of time with him, a lot of time doing the research. And uh, I think this is definitely a Mike Mayock pick, and he swears by the kids. So I think we'll have to wait and see. But, um, again, like you said earlier, it's uh, it may, we're not, no one's saying he's a bad player or he's not a good uh, a good pick. We're just saying it was a reach. And that's when you look at the draft and getting maximum value for these picks, and that's usually how you do well in these things. The value is important. So I think they didn't really get the best value at 19, but definitely has upside as a player and as a person. 
Uh, let's spin things forward a little bit and look ahead to uh, to rounds two and three on Friday night. Uh, Tashawn, is there any uh, couple of guys that you're targeting? Uh, obviously, the Raiders don't have a pick in the second round, have three in the third. That gives them maneuverability if they really fall in love with a guy that they want to move up for. Um, who, who are a couple of names that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, if, if a deal comes together, I would probably, I think it'd be worth packaging, you know, let's say two of the third rounders, if you can move up and get somebody like Michael Pittman, um, you know, especially with, with Ruggs being on the smaller end, only 5'11". I think you have that kind of traditional big body outside wide receiver, not to necessarily, you know, replace him if it doesn't work out or anything like that, but just to kind of compliment him, you know, and have, have that kind of target to go along with Tyrell Williams. Uh, I think, you know, once they double up on wide receivers, if that's something that they want to do, I think the next move needs to go ahead and, and get a backup running back. I think, you know, something that we saw yesterday, you know, only one running back came off the board in the first round. So, you know, unless they just fly out of there in the second round, there should be a bunch of them still available there in the third round. And then maybe if they do, you know, stay put in the third round, one of those picks, I think somebody like, you know, A.J. Dillon out of Boston College would, would be a pretty good fit. Yeah, I agree. I love Pittman. I think uh, it's definitely a Gruden grinder type, uh, Gruden coach's dad. Definitely a physical receiver, uh, blocked three punts, and definitely a tough kid. And I think him and Ruggs will give you a great tandem for a long time you know, to come. I think um, I mentioned Gandy Golden's a guy from Liberty I like a lot. He's probably a third-round guy. He's a bigger kid. But I think you need another receiver. I think um, I think I had the Kyle Duggar, my guy from Lenore Ryan, the safety uh, in the mock draft. I think he's interesting. He, can, uh, he definitely has a, a big upside. And then um, – what else? Uh, the running backs. I like AJ Dillon out of Boston College, but maybe too early today. Maybe that's uh, round four. But he's a bigger kid who definitely uh, gave out a lot of punishment in college. I know people worry about his workload, but I don't care about his workload. He's going to get five carries a game for the Raiders. He's just kind of a, so that's fine. That's all I need for him. So um, those are the guys I like uh, going forward. And one thing that to think about when you're talking about adding a second receiver is that, you know, yeah, you might have Tyrell Williams right now and Henry Ruggs right now, but I mean, as Vic, you know, you wrote a lot in the offseason, there was no guarantee quite that, that Williams is going to be back even for this year. I mean, there's no guaranteed money left in his deal. I mean, his, you know, if, if they can find, uh, if they can find two receivers in this draft, uh, they're in a position where, you know, the, those guys can learn a little bit from Williams as a veteran, uh, you know, in 2020, and then uh, they probably move on from him uh, going forward. Uh, I, I agree with you guys. I like Michael Pittman Jr. a lot. I'm surprised uh, Denzel Mims fell out the first round, so I, I don't know how far he's going to fall, but, you know, that's another 4-3 guy that um, is really interesting as far as, you know, being a developmental wide receiver. Um, Isaiah McKinley, the safety from Alabama, did it, it would be a great fit in those Ra- Raiders defense as well. Um, so yeah, those are a uh, few guys that are interesting. And I, I wonder where JK Dobbins, um, uh, will go. If he falls into the third round, I, I bet the, the Raiders would be interested in picking him, him up. I mean, he'd be a great backup to Josh Jacobs. You know, one thing that's going to be uh, something closely watched, I think, over the next few years is obviously we know right after uh, the Raiders got rugs, what, I think it's 15, the, the Broncos get Jerry Judy. Um, so they're, they're going to have him right there in the in the AFC West. So uh, we'll, we'll be able to closely watch kind of how this how this progresses and, and did the Raiders make the right pick there with rugs. I mean, it's it's one of those kind of good slash bad problems to have, I think, when there's three guys that are considered really good and really close together um, in a draft at one position that, you know, yeah, it was, it's great that the, the Raiders had the first choice, had their choice of all three of them, but um, 
if you if you end up making the wrong selection, uh, you'll you'll be able to, to kind of find that out pretty clearly, especially with one of those guys going in your division. All right, well, uh, let's take a few questions. Vic threw it out there on Twitter, so uh, we'll we'll take a few questions here before we get out of here and get ready for round two. Um, from Raider Faithful, seems like there's no consensus on Arnett. Is it possible this is a product of the unusual draft process this year? And that's that's something to to consider that you know without pro days and, and visits you know maybe he's a guy that, that starts climbing up the board if if people get a chance to examine him a little bit more I, I think with Arnett it's just his uh his physical profile is just doesn't scream first round at you you know he's he's short he has short arms he ran high four fives uh so those type of players you know you, you can love his film and those are the guys you kind of draft in the, in the second third round um, so I, I, I don't see our net rising too much, even in a regular draft year. As I add, one of the reasons they moved on from Darrell Worley was because he wasn't fast enough. He definitely was a physical kind of corner, um, that they liked that part of his game, but he wasn't fast enough to go against the number one guys in the league. So I think it's a little bit of a question mark when you add a guy like Arnett who's also, you know, four five, six, but maybe he plays faster than he ran in the 40, who knows, but to me, I think you really, that's why C.J. Henderson was for me the guy because speed and you know, being a freak athlete is really a big deal at the cornerback spot. So I think um, we'll see. Again, it's, uh, the jury's out and we'll see how it goes. But uh, it's interesting, I think, that they let Worley go and sign the guy who's also a physical kind of corner in, in our net. I think there could be a, a long-term play to, to it, though. I mean, if they, if, let's say he doesn't work out on the outside, then maybe Isaiah Johnson does or, or something like that. And you know, LaMarcus Joyner, he has another rough year in the nickel. You know, as we said, Arnett's a guy who's had success playing in the nickel in college. Maybe they move him there. And he works out there long term, and then they cut Joyner loose down the line. So even if he doesn't work out outside, there's a, a chance they can still salvage it. That's a good point. Yeah, because LaMarcus probably won't, won't be back in uh, a year from now. So I think that's, a, that's an excellent point. All right, a uh, question here from Dan. Uh, has your view changed on the Gabe Jackson situation in the last week or two? Could we see him being moved on? Who would be interested? Um, there was a report from Mike Silver that, you know, the asking price is not high, that uh, the Raiders are shopping him. Tashawn, do you do you see that happening, uh, a chance to save a little money and, uh, and maybe go with Denzel Good there at right guard? Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends. I, I think, you know, I, I probably wouldn't move on from Gabe Jackson unless, you know, we saw them, you know, swing a trade for another player. I know they were talking to, to Jacksonville and it's something they could probably get more into, but um, I don't see a ton of incentive in doing it. I, I mean, I don't know what you would get back for him, you know, in the draft right now, a fourth, fifth round pick. They already have, you know, a ton of picks in this range. So I don't know if I would get rid of a starter for that value. Yeah, they talked to the Jags about, uh, make sure I say this right, Ngakwe, um, the pass rusher for the Jags. And I think I uh, didn't really get that far. But I think to make that kind of deal work or any kind of deal for a, a, a good player, you need salary cap space. And for them, the, the best way to do that is either by trading or cutting Gabe Jackson. I think they like Gabe Jackson a lot. I think they have no problems with him being their starting guard next year, even at $9 million a year. But if you can trade him and get back a pick and be able to make another move somewhere else, that's something you might want to do. So I think um, – I don't know what the price is. My, my guess is that um, for Assembly last year, they trailed Assembly in a six-round pick for a fifth-rounder, I believe. So my guess is something a little a little better than that because you're definitely higher on Gabe now than they were on KO last year. So I think maybe a little more than that would be my guess. But I think it could go either way. I think they could definitely move him, maybe even today. Or they could uh, go with him once the season starts. Yeah, and you wonder if maybe it's something like that. It's like a sweetener package where you're trying to move up in the draft and and you 
you you're you're packaging a, a third round pick or something and, and with a guy with a team that has cap space and is interested in Jackson, maybe that, that's kind of a sweetener that hey, we'll throw in Gabe Jackson, but probably not how it would go. It would probably would would be uh you know a selling a little bit low on him, but um you know we'll, we'll see. Uh, we have a question here from Nate Lloyd. Which Steelers wide receiver are we targeting with our third round picks, and can we land Juju with all three? Send all three third rounders for Juju. You guys in? I'm in. Sounds good. <laughs> um, all right, final question here from Lead Tier. What positions should be addressed in the remaining picks, and would they be depth or starters? I would probably say, you know, running back, um, another wide receiver, linebacker, and they could use some more help at defensive tackle. I don't think any of the players they had today would probably end up being starters unless, you know, like they said, they really, really love the wide receiver and cut Tyrell Williams loose or something of that nature. But I think they're more so looking for depth and, and longer-term plays and then guys to come in and, and start immediately. I could see a D tackle. Maybe, I mean, it'd be the one position I think they possibly be, might be a starter if they got one today. But um, I think their roster is definitely getting more and more set. I think it mostly is depth at this point. Um Maybe even a tackle at some point. I keep forgetting about tackle. I know they're set at a tackle, but it's such a deep draft of tackle. I think you look at the future for looking ahead. Maybe bring somebody in and you can kind of groom because uh, I'm not sure Brandon Parker's that guy. Uh, Sharp did a nice job last year. I think he'll be a swing tackle this year. I'm not sure he projects to be a starter down the road. So maybe bring in a young tackle to take advantage of this depth on, on the board this year. Uh, you know, we talked about double dipping with wide receivers, but I'd like to see them pick up another. Uh, defensive end just to add maybe another speed rusher into the the mix. Where's he gonna play? What about what about Arden Key? People keep talking about Arden Key, man. What about Arden Key? Dude, you are just beating the Arden Key drum. <laughs> <laughs> How do you believe in Arden? You do you want to add a pass rusher and you believe in Arden Key? I mean, right now you got <laughs> yeah, you you can't you, uh, you, you, you can't have enough pass rushers. Yeah, you can't. You got Furl, you got Crosby, you got Nassib, and you got Key. That's four. Well, I don't know if Earl's a pass rusher. But he's going to he's gonna play. A, he's an end, right? He's a, he's an end, but I don't I don't know if he's going to be a pass. I mean, the Raiders don't think he's a pass rusher. They didn't even put him on third down last season. Easy. Easy. This gave him to see $25 million. <laughs> I hope he can pass rush for $25 million. You would hope. You would hope. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's get ready for round two. Uh, we will come back and talk to you guys uh, after this whole draft wraps up, and we'll see what the Raiders do over the – final six rounds of the draft and uh, see how they handle uh, undrafted free agency and, and whatnot. So we will talk to you again after the draft, but uh, appreciate you guys listening and uh, hope you enjoyed round one. It was, it was nice to have something to actually watch on TV again. It was uh, nice to, to feel like I, you know, we're, we're actually living in a somewhat normal world, even though, uh, you know, the, the first round, this draft is, is certainly far from the normal kind of draft that we're used to. Did you guys notice when they had that uh, the fan board behind Goodell and they had the Chargers? They didn't have enough fans to fill all the squares. <laughs> You've got to get the party shot in at the Chargers. Oh, how sad was that? Yeah, that was really sad. Dude, the, the, the awkwardness of Goodell turning and like puppy, trying to pup these guys up. And I, it looked like he was kind of a lot of times showing them the cards, so he was telling them to pick ahead of time. But this, like, his just awkward, like, pump, come on, guys, get excited, get excited. Was, that was kind of that was, that was pretty painful to watch. Getting some, getting the two of some help that was probably the the most cringy one. Yeah, I mean, I I you could 
I you could see him in some of the drafts before where it looked like he was showing them the cards. I think he was kind of always he was kind of tipping the picks to them because he wants them like cheering while he's making the pick. So I guess you got to kind of tell them to pick ahead of time so they uh, can can start reacting um, instead of uh, you know because they're not going to hear it because he wants them screaming during it. But uh, that was that that was weird. But hey, I mean they they handled the whole thing pretty well. They they got it off uh, off the ground pretty well and. Um, credit to all the the work that went in to, to make this happen, and it, it all gave us something to uh, to follow and enjoy. And uh, I mean, I think it was it was good for everybody to, to have a little distraction for a night. Yeah, there were no, there were no glitches or no hacks. I'm looking for. I want some hacks. I want some guys to hack in and do some crazy stuff. But uh, you're right; they did a nice job. It was definitely a smooth smooth process. I mean, it started slow. I mean, that first first half hour it took forever. But uh, I mean, but uh, it was it was good. It was definitely. Uh, I give them props for pulling it off. Yeah, it was really interesting to see everybody's home office too. Like Cliff Kingsbury lives in a mansion, and uh, Bill Belichick pulled off his uh, his draft from like his mom's living room uh, dining table. Yeah, it was nice to see like which draft prospects that got their their agent checks already. Right. <laughs> uh, I uh, Lewis Riddick's background had uh, had our Marcus Thompson's book sitting right there, like right off right off the shoulder. And I, I, as soon as I saw it, I texted him a picture. Marcus couldn't didn't even I identify it. He tweeted it out with the zoomed in. He didn't. I sent him the picture at first, and he's like, "I'm missing it. I don't know what, what am I missing." And like I I had to tell him what was in the damn picture before he even noticed that his book was up there. But uh, had to. I had a season for that. But all right, guys, we will talk to you again after the draft wraps up. Uh, so uh, you'll hear from us pretty soon. Hasta la vista. Talk to you guys later. See you guys.